Jose Atuve is the heartbeat of this organization. He's a franchise player, and he's an Astro for life. The killer Another 3-2 ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. The best case scenario was always here. You know, Houston is, is my home. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. High fly ball to deep left field. Back to the wall. Makes the moment again. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Jose Altuve makes the moment. Uh, he has signed a five-year extension with the Astros, where the Killer Bees tipped off yesterday when we were the only show in town that was talking Jose Altuve contract extension. Uh, anyways, $125 million, $15 million of it up front. He makes $30 million in the first three years of the deal, then $10 million in the final two years. Doesn't affect the competitive balance payroll, uh, but it does give Crane a little bit of financial uh, freedom in those final two years. He can have cash on hand, uh, which maybe he can do something with that. Which, speaking of Jim Crane, by the way, somebody texted in, if, if we're the hive, who is the queen? Well, that's the queen bee, Joe George. You know, Joe George is the queen bee. We probably don't say that enough. Uh, we do need to be more clear and, and describe our queen bee, our fearless leader, our assistant to the regional manager. Joe, what's your middle name, Joe? Joe Buford? Stephen. Yeah. Stephen. I would have never guessed that. With a PH. Okay, I would have guessed that. Stefan. They say Stevens with the V are better looking than Stevens with the PH. No, I'm serious. Who says that? I've read that online. I've read that on the internet. Well, it's, so it must it's not my first then. name. So. Which, I mean, maybe it's not true in this case. Well, I mean, I think, I think, I think that applies case. to first names. Uh, I don't know how it applies to middle names. I don't names. remember if it said first or middle. I assume it's first. So that's a good counterpoint. Thank yeah. you. I'm not going to look it up. Uh, but Jim Crane signing off on this deal. We, we hear all the time, well, Jim Crane's cheating. Jim, Jim Crane's sitting on his wallet. Jim Crane's not opening it up. I did, we disagree with that. Disagree with that. Like, Hater, Abreu, spent silly money on Rafael Montero. Now, we've had players that have left in this city, Correa, Springer, Garrett Cole. Uh, so we've seen a fair share of movement. We've seen a fair share of Crane spending money. We've seen it this offseason with Hater and with Altuve. We've seen a fair share of Crane letting people leave. Uh, Stanek, Maton, Neris, um, and then all the previous ones that we mentioned. But he's not cheap. Jim Crane is financially responsible he's what every good financial consultant would tell you to be don't foolishly spend money now if you're rich and wealthy and you want to spend a little bit we'll spend it wisely that's what jim crane does jim crane spends it wisely could you throw verlander to the mix that he let him yes. walk and then he actually spent yeah. to get him back by giving up assets but he's paying half of the salary that too like i think it's right around half of the salary so I think that Jim Crane has wisely spent his money. Now we might look back at this Altuve deal and be like, well, he's never, you know, he wasn't a hundred and twenty-five million dollar player for five years, but he's the biggest legend this franchise has ever seen. You have to bite the bullet there. Yeah, it, it, that's a little, and that's just its own special set of circumstances because of who he is and who he, who he is, who he's been for the entire length of his career here. But when you look at it too, people just want something to complain about. People want something to be able to bitch about because of the fact that. I already, you know, saw people saying, "Well, why did you spend the money on a relief pitcher when you got Hater? Why didn't you go get a superstar bat?" Well, superstar bats just don't grow on trees, and you know, based on 
It's his money. He can spend it however he wants to spend it. But the bottom line is he spent it. I had questions. I never called him cheap, but I was just, I, I was. I think you said you didn't open up his wallet. I don't know that I, I, I just, I wanted, I was, I, I was more so than anything else. I wanted him to do something. All they did was get a backup catcher and I was waiting. I figured they were going to do something, but I, I got tired of waiting when, 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 not if, but when, and then people started throwing in, you know, all over the place. Does he not want to? Does he not want to go over the tax? Does he want not, not want to do any of these things? The bottom line is, hey, he, he gets all the credit in the world because we were wondering if he was ever going to go over the, and get into the tax. He went way over. Yeah, he'd done it, he'd done it once with Grinky, but didn't have to pay on it. Crane was asked about that, this little Q&A with Jerome Solomon or the media. Maybe, I don't know who he did the interview with, but I read it in Jerome's piece. I don't know where they got that from, the idea of him being cheap. We try to make good decisions when the time comes. I think most of them have been good decisions. Uh, Springer was. Correa was. Cole, the jury's still out, but Cole's still in the middle of a huge, massive contract. Uh, he says you always try to keep a little powder dry. I've never heard that phrase. I, I was trying to figure that one out myself. I, 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 w- I have never heard it either. Little powder dry. What does little powder dry mean? I guess it means guess to keep like, a little bit like in the tank. Keep one in the chamber? Maybe that's what it means. I feel like it's a different way to say that. It's Jim Crane, a gun activist. Was the powder and referred to like talc? And baby powder, or was it referred to gunpowder? So this Google says keep your powder dry means to be ready to take action. The powder originally referred to gunpowder. Okay, there you go. So there you go. There's Jim Crane, an old white guy. <laughs> I mean, the reference the makes sense. In the gun. Was it a Colt 45? I hope so. You yeah. love hearing it. I mean, like there was some back. great quotes to, to basically set the record straight on a lot from Jim Crane's mouth, which was a lot of people were waiting to hear from, but... Look, you, you, no matter how the, the entire offseason has started and gone, I don't think anybody could have said in their wildest dreams by by the point we got to right now today, getting ready for pitchers and catchers to report and get ready for spring training, that Jim Crane would have gone out and paid the most ever for a relief pitcher and added another big name and a big arm to a team that is still competitive chasing a World Series. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Crane said we'll have a payroll over the competitive balance tax this year. People said we would never do it. I never said we would never do it. I said we would do it at the right time when we think the circumstances warranted that. We've got the revenue to do it. Look, you're not going to be able to sign them all, but we've made some big signings, and we'll continue to balance that with the guys coming up. The objective there is to put a winning product out there every single year and be in contention, and we've been pretty consistent with that. Crane's not cheap. Crane's financially responsible. And then he had the big quote that everybody was freaking out about, which he has said this before, if you were listening. Uh, Crane said, while I'm here, the window will never close. Which reassuring. That's what you want an owner that's to say. The, Not the first time he said it, though. That's what everybody should want to hear, love to hear, and, and, and just believe in him now, uh, if they didn't before, that, that that is what his objective is going to be, to keep winning. Because that's what you want every owner to say, that a lot of them will that will have reservations or never want to say. 5657 says dry powder is also a stark, uh, a stock market reference to your bankroll that's not invested in anything yet. Could be you're waiting on the market to move a certain direction. I guess that, that also applies here because you're saving a little bit of reserves, ready to have it go. Yeah, less fun, though. It's less fun than the gun reference. Yeah, for sure. He was definitely making a reference to the Houston baseball history, and he was talking about the powder being dry, in my opinion, a Colt 45. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Jim Crane uh, was talking about. One other thing that I want to make a point with Crane here, has Crane ever really lied about anything? Because Crane has talked about whenever we're like whenever he came in here, he tore everything down to the studs, and part of that was Luno too, like saving money, 
putting it in the minor leagues, putting it in developing, and then he started to spin whenever the roster got a lot better. Uh, Crane has said before, like, while I'm here, the window will never close. Crane has said before that he's willing to go to the competitive balance tax. One thing that I've learned about Crane, and I'm sure it's not 100% accurate, there's probably going to be a Hive member that, that checks me on this, I've never really caught Crane in a lie. I've never caught Crane saying something that didn't come to fruition. I think that's probably fair. I'm trying to think when all these negotiations were coming up or because a lot of times he's smart. But look, his, he's, he's a very, very, very savvy businessman that's been and successful. And he doesn't talk a lot. And, and when he does, he's never going to overcommit in a quote. I mean, he's going to speak in somewhat generalities like he did with the Bregman comments about we're going to make Alex an offer. Yeah, at make the, Ray you know, an offer. Right. They're, if he says they're going to make him an offer, they're going to make him an offer. And at the end of the day, if the only reason why he makes him an offer is so that he can say, hey, look, we gave him an offer. We gave him our best offer. He and his agent thought they could get more elsewhere, and that's what they decided to do. We wish him the best. He covers his butt. He doesn't say too much. And when he speaks, he I think he's he's calculated in, in some of the things that he says. Yeah, like, like yesterday was so calculated. Like He doesn't take that interview unless he knows what's about to be announced. He does not give just Jerome Solomon like just this interview and talk about Altuve the way he does because the quotes when we first read him yesterday it was like it was eye popping. It's like okay, this is a totally different tone than how our show started with what the Astros mm-hmm. are going to be, and then literally an hour later Altuve had signed his deal. So like it was a cold, calculated move that he was like, yeah, I'll talk about how great Altuve is going to be here and, and that we want to sign him because he's literally about to sign the papers. I think that. Um and, and I, I think he's truthful. I think he's honest. And I don't think anybody was thinking that because Altuve Day was going to be, and I'm sure that was in the works too at a certain point. And he and someone either tipped him off or internally they said, "Hey, let's correlate all this at the same time." You brought it up. It, it, very very astute observation. But yeah, I think that he's a very calculated businessman, and 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 he doesn't ever say too much. Like Dana Brown, some, it can be accused a lot of times of saying too much. He was the anti click, but. Jim Crane is a savvy guy in everything that he does. Yeah, I mean, the Killer Bees might have been tipped off on Jose Altuve signing an extension yesterday. Uh, 713-780-3776. Go out to the HRMP listener line. Robbie, you're in the hive of the Bees. What's up, Robbie? Hey, how y'all doing today? Wonderful. Okay, my question to y'all is, do you think that there would be a clause off in there to where they can't have people in the WBC, World Baseball Classic, that are coming up? Because of the injuries and what they could have done last year if the people wouldn't have played in the WBC? I don't, man, I don't think that they're going to do anything like that. Uh, I think that there's, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to make a case. I Obviously, the Mets are going to make a could make a case if they wanted to. I just don't think because it, the, the players are so passionate. It's like representing your team in the Olympics. You know, Mark Cuban's had issue in the past uh, about the Olympics and, and how that affects and and the potential for injuries go up when guys play in the Olympics. But they're never going to make it an official clause, put it in writing, and look that way, whether it's representing your country or the players representing their country. I just don't. I just can't see where they're going to do something. I like can that. see it with a pitcher. I can I can see it 100% with a pitcher. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that is a clause at some point in somebody's contract. Like the Astros told Fromber, we don't want you pitching in the WBC. Then they told him they didn't want him pitching in the starting the All-Star game. And then Fromber got mad and pitched awfully the second half of the season. Yeah, I also think there's a pretty reasonable chance that Jose Altuve will play in the next World Baseball Classic 
Because if Minute Maid wins the bid that they just put in to host the 2026 World Baseball Classic, Jose Altuve is going to want to play in it. Yeah, I don't mind a position player. And they're going to want him in it. Like, he's going to be playing spring training anyways. Exactly. Like, pitching, I don't like. Like, hitters you want to ramp up and you want to get them close to game action. Spring training is more about easing them to open It is very much so. As opposed to pitching, like, these high-stress innings. I have no problem with offensive players playing I just don't think they're going to put it right. I have problems with pitchers playing. I mean, if you spin... $400 $400 million on a guy. Like, I bet you... Now, Shohei Otani had everybody over the barrel, so the Dodgers couldn't put this in his contract because everybody wanted him, and he had other offers that were very similar. Like, I bet you if you asked the Dodgers' ownership, do you want Shohei oh. pitching in the WBC, yes or no, they would be like, absolutely not. Yeah, there, of course not. There's a big not. difference, though. There's a big difference between, I think that they will even verbalize that two-player pl- in private, uh-huh. but I don't think that they're ever going to put it in writing and basically tell someone who wants to represent their country that you can't. I think that, that I think it could. I, like if, uh, Robert Valdez, like, yeah. hey, we're not going to, you can, we'll pay well, you $30 million a year, but you can't pitch in the WBC. I, I could certainly, I think it's feasible. I look, think it's plausible. I, I think that it's it's definitely something that it, quietly and, and, and internally in baseball organizations, there's pro- an issue. Because even if they didn't have like a season-ending injury, look at Ryan Presley. He got ra- ramped up really er- earlier than he would, and he got tired, and he had some issues in the in the early part of the season because I think his arm had a little too much on it too quickly. 713-780-ESPN. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. Also, I think there's a Dana Brown observation from the Jose Altuve extension as well. Also, I saw this question on Reddit uh, the other day. James Click or Dana Brown? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. First, a moment on HRP, Human Resources and Payroll. It's Cougar owned by my colleague, O'Cougs, and members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. You've seen the HRMP signage at the U of H games. They're building off the beltway. And business owners, let HRMP help you. Whether it's HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding, HRMP can help in any or all of these areas. There's no boxes with HRMP. Doesn't matter how small, doesn't matter how big. HRMP completely customizes a plan for what you and your business needs. You have a problem, you have an issue, you want to take a little off your plate, HRMP will find a way to help. They do it in a way that's unique. Technology meets service. They have the best technology you'll love that but you'll also love their service guaranteed fulfillment you'll never talk to a stranger you'll be talking to someone who knows you and they know your business needs give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let hrnp customize a plan for you 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net that's hrp.net you're listening to the j team ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I don't know about you, but I think this is some of Andrew Carlson's best work. I think it's some of the best things he's ever done at this station. Solid. It's Quick turnaround. Really, really good. Uh, he's Blank. I'm Branham. No, I'm sorry. He's Joel. I'm Jeremy. Joe behind the glass. It is the J team, not the Killer Bees today. It's Jose Altuve day, and we don't want to disrespect Jose Altuve by calling our show the Killer Bees on an inferior tier. Uh, to Jose Altuve. 713-780-3776. We'll get to the Dana Brown angle in a moment, but let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Paul, you're in the hive of the bees. What's going on, Paul? Hey, uh, I mean, of course we all love Altuve, but uh, this is definitely an anti-analytics signing. I mean, and (laughs) there's just no doubt about what the Astros' direction is now and what, what got the Astros to where they were, the sustained period of dominance was doing things like signing the Latin pitchers that they got that were you know over or undervalued because they were overaged for prospects. 
They also signed guys like Cole, or signed or traded for guys like Cole, Peacock, McHugh, Davinsky, Morton, Presley, uh, even Verlander. They really gave up nothing to get him. Montero, Maton, Harris, Stanek. They gave up nothing to get any of those guys, and they made every single one of them better. The Astros are not doing that right now. I mean, they're becoming a lot more like the Mets of 2023 than the Astros of 2016. Again, I, I'm not against signing Hayter or uh, Altuve, right? They're great players, but this is not sustainable. But do you think that this is the backbreaker? This is the big deal? This isn't like eight, ten years. This isn't $300 million. This is wrapping up the, the most legendary player who's still playing at a very high level, mind you. This is wrapping him up but not making a bunch of dumb deals like the Yankees do, like the Mets have done, to your reference point. Um, appreciate the call, Paul. Is he um, on? I think so. Uh, right. To his point, I can argue Paul's side. Uh, you can make the case of been back-to-back years because he did it with a, well, we true. don't like the offseason last year of Abreu, Montero. Am I missing a Brantley. third name? Brantley. Because he, he sat out for three quarters of the season. That one made a little bit more sense because it was a one-year deal, but yes, Brantley, because he didn't play any games and you didn't get great return on investment. A lot of non-Astro fans that will view the game like uh, as a third party that they don't have you know a dog in the fight didn't love the Verlander trade because they gave up two really high prospects for for an aging starter. Now you know Paul's not going to get a whole love a whole lot of love on Jose Altuve day with right. that point, but I see where he's coming from. And he's saying, look, he would have resigned Hater, he would have resigned Jose Altuve, but his point is that that it's not sustainable, which I agree with Paul. Like I said this yesterday, you can make the case that five years, hundred and fifty, because I think that's what he would have gotten on the open market. In this case, it's five years, hundred twenty five, and he helped you out with you know the money and the years and win those like when it's thirty million and when it's ten million. So he helped you out on that front, not that it matters against the competitive balance tax. But Paul's point, I think, is right. You can't have these back-to-back off-seasons for the next seven years and expect to be a really good baseball team. How you have sustained success and how we saw the golden era of the Astros built was through the draft, was with under-the-radar international signings, with these shrewd free agent pickups that didn't cost a whole lot. Uh, you could throw James Click into the conversation. Look at the Miles Straw trade today. Like You might have won that trade, if you, even if you don't include Yiner Diaz. Mm-hmm. You might have won that trade, because Phil Maton was a productive reliever for you and Miles Straw was a defensive minded light hitting center fielder for Cleveland that might be below a major league starting average in center field and then on top of that you have maybe one of the better offensive catchers in the next five to seven years I don't disagree with Paul that like these last two off seasons are not sustainable now I would have bit the bullet on Altuve and Paul said he would have done the same thing Paul's points more going forward you can't build yeah. this team around free agent acquisitions and to that I agree well you can't do it for seven years like you said either you're right you can't continually continually do this year after year after year i mean first thing is we didn't have a general manager last year when this when these moves were made because this was your owner and jeff bagwell and maybe a a couple of other guys in a room and decided to do some things that a lot of savvy general managers would not have done so i I think that's one thing I, i think that when you look at it you have to look at it from the perspective of yeah you're right but they didn't do things like the mets do when they make them for eight ten years make them these long mega deals for all these different guys. And, and you know, across who the board. They, who do they give eight years still to? Uh, who, the, Lindor was one of the big deals Lindor. they did. Lindor was, was before, a massive deal. That was before, like, the huge spending of this past season. But, yeah, yeah Lindor, but was, Lindor was a one. big deal. And, and they were they were paying massive deals with Scherzer. Those were short-term, And, and DeGrom. DeGrom uh, the they Mar- didn't pay DeGrom. Marte. Starling Marte, I think, was probably four years. 
Because yeah, you're kind of I'm, I'm trying to think. Starling but, Marte. You're but again, they spent, Marte. Like, they spent a ton of they money. They spent a ton of money, but I don't yeah. think a lot of it was long-term. Yeah. And Lindor was before they went on their crazy spending. But like my, my issue is, like where I, like, I think Paul's argument is like very flawed, is that you're assuming that everything the Astros have been doing is not going to replicate the same success. Like, like you are using Christian Javier and talking about the international signings as like, well, they're not doing that. Well, they are doing that. Less than thirty, like less than forty days ago, yeah. they signed nine international players. We don't know what Bryce Matthews is going to be. We don't know. Yes, they traded Drew Gilbert, but like, if Dana Brown is right about Bryce Matthews, you have your eventual third base shortstop replacement for Alex Bregman. So it's still too early in the process to say that they're not doing the same things because the biggest difference is that you're not losing a hundred games yeah. every single year to get the number one pick. And that's the thing too is like the organization has to philosophically change because you're not. The the Astros that got you out, that got you Bregman and all these guys. Like you have to build differently and still find a way to be successful. Yeah, at a certain point, do you feel like, it, like to your point, Joe, like the transition becomes like if you build through the draft in the NBA. But at a certain point, when Daryl Morey takes over and realizes your team is highly competitive, the draft picks don't mean hardly anything, and it's all based on how you matric- matriculate through free agency and how savvy you. You still have to be savvy with your spending. But there's a way where you kind of turn the page. Well, I mean, the reason why the Dodgers are one of the top organizations in baseball is because, you know, even though they don't have the World Series wins that the Astros do, and the one they have is fraudulent, they have one of the top prospect systems in all of baseball, and they're picking in the last four, five, six picks of the draft every single year. So, yeah. like, you still have to, to Paul's point, like, you still have to be analytical, and Dana Brown still has to be a good GM. Like, like these guys have to hit because I agree it's not long term sustainable. But it doesn't mean that the Astros are not taking the steps they have in the past to mm. keep it up that to, way. To his point on the analytical thing, though, is like when you're analytical, you're probably not shopping at the top of the market with free agents, especially in their 30s, because they're not going to live up to the life of the contract. That's fair. And it's more about spreading out the money and finding the gyms, finding the Brad Peacocks, finding uh, the Charlie Mortons. Yeah. So that that's more like I think he's coming into play with the analytics thing of it. And he didn't say not to sign Jose Altuve or Josh Hader. He's saying it's not sustainable. This is something that you can continue doing for years and years and years, which I agree. And to me, it comes down to your philosophy of building a baseball organization and how do you sustain winning in Major League Baseball. I don't think that you sustain winning in Major League Baseball through free agency, and that's why he threw the Mets comparison uh, out there. I think that you sustain winning in Major League Baseball by building through the system. And like you pointed out the Dodgers, uh, Joe, and what the Dodgers will do a lot of times is they'll take from that minor league system that's always very good and they're not drafting very high they can just evaluate talent develop it and then have these really good you know prospects in their system a lot of times those minor leaguers aren't even getting to the big league team but they're using that to reinforce their big league team like the glass now trade they traded for mookie bets so sometimes whenever you build the system the players never even make it to your big club. You're just using those as pieces to get even bigger fishes, bigger fish, fishes plural. And that's what the Astros did for so long. They did. The, the difference is is that because of the sign stealing scandal, because you've made so many trades, those prospects just don't exist. And like, I think that's Paul's point, though. Yeah, like that's Paul's point. But that's not necessarily. But they will exist again. Like if Dana Brown is the GM we want him to be, and think he can be. Uh, one it's of the not things- a certain. It's not. A, it's not a guarantee. No, it's not, you like- hope. Yeah, you have to hope again. he's a talent evaluator yes. and that you do have those pieces again. It probably would be for the best of 
the organization if Bryce Matthews never plays for this team Meh, because yeah, he's maybe. traded for someone like you guys are talking about. It's also like where you are as a franchise. If you're still currently window open and your thought process is window open well, for Jim the Crane foreseeable said it's future. Well, Jim Crane said it's going to be open forever when yeah. he's here. But, and that's not realistic, right? And at a certain point, Why you're going to – because I think to, to, the, to Paul's point too, because at a certain point, you can't pay everybody. And, and guys are going to walk. And if you don't have the, the assets, it's going to be tougher to kind of reload. But – you can, you still can reload through still making savvy trades and or acquisitions. You just don't have the kind of nucleus that you built through high draft picks and through building up your farm system when you were losing 100 games a year for three straight years. The Yankees haven't had a losing season since 1995. And yes, big payroll, all of that. But the Yankees have actually gotten a little bit cheaper over the last decade or so. The Tampa Bay Rays, who have one of the worst payrolls in all of baseball since 2008 they've had two losing seasons and both of those years they're well three losing seasons two of them they were 80 and 82 so like you can sustain winning you can always be a winning team if you're continuously reloading the minor league system and developing player after player after player when was the last time the Dodgers had a losing season I bet you it's been a while too I can't recall off the top of my head, but I'm just saying, like, and it's like where where you're trying to get to. At a certain point, yeah, you can win. You might you might have a winning season and not make the playoffs and not compete. To, you know, to be a World Series caliber team. And at a certain point, most franchises figure out that there's a time to press the reset button because they don't want to continue to pay. Try to pay everybody, but you and, don't have to pay in order to continue to win. Tampa Bay proves that they 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 don't pay ever. They don't let players even enter their free agent year before they trade them, and they've been a model of winning. And the Astros have a luxury that Tampa Bay does not have, and that they have an owner who's willing to spend up to the competitive balance tax. So you could get well. The Yankees have a high payroll. The Dodgers have a high payroll. Well, Tampa doesn't. Tampa doesn't. They're winning every single year, and you have some huge advantages over Tampa as an organization. I just think that when you look at like the, the, the model, the scale, or what they're trying to do, there's based on where you are, where they, where they came from, they, they, they did it the right way, and that's the way you have to do it when you're at rock bottom. You have to just get as much young talent as you can. Then at a certain point, you start using that young talent, as you guys mentioned, like assets to, to go get the kind of guys on the major league level that fortify and enhance what you've already built up. But I think there's going to come a time because of your farm system being depleted and because of the fact that you can't consistently play Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, Fromber, and, and everybody to expect that you could pay all those guys that whether you say you're calling it a reset button or not, you're going to take several steps back and it's going to take a while to probably get it back. I don't think you have to pay to win. Like that's, I think, the biggest difference in, in like our argument here. Uh, because look at the teams in baseball. I think it's easier to sustain winning in baseball because you have like your bigger payroll teams that are willing to go out and sign a bridge-free agent to fill the gap between a prospect and another prospect. Um, like The Yankees have won forever. Yankees haven't had a losing season this millennium. Tampa's had three. Two of those years, they were 80 and 82. The Dodgers haven't had a losing season since 2010, so that's what, almost two, a decade and a half. The Cardinals have had two losing seasons since 2000. So, like, winning organizations figure out ways to win. Uh, and the Cardinals aren't, like, I know that they've spent some money, but they're not this mega, super high payroll team like the, the Dodgers or the Yankees. If you have a good organization and you make good organizational decisions and you build through the system and you're continuously having prospect after prospect after prospect, and all these teams do, and they were winning, so they weren't drafting high in the first round, that's how you sustain winning, not paying, guys. 
I just think that you, it's tough to say L.A. and New York when they... Okay, Tampa and St. Louis then. Right. I, I'll, I'll, I was going to say, I, I can hear your argument about Tampa and St. Louis. L.A. and New York, there's just no cap for them. They okay, just keep Tampa spending... Okay, Louis Okay, then. I get it. All right, fine. Then, you, yes, that, that it, I understand that it can be done. But I think that a lot of different organizations and ownership ha- plays a big role in it too uh, in, in terms of how they have their different levels. The Astros owners say he wants to win forever. But, I mean, if you put a point out ownership, point out what the owner said yesterday. That the window I'm not is hammering Jim Crane. I'm saying depending on who the owner is, what market you're in, what, what you're trying to do, and, and also... Okay, well, let's, just, let's address those. What do you think of the Astros owner? Uh, Jeremy, I, I know you love this kind of stuff. You're bringing up points, and you're not letting me go into, like, actual I let you go all the time it. on everything, no, man. You said that the Astros... We're talking about the Astros here. You're pointing to ownership being critical and winning. You're pointing to the market being critical and winning. So let's discuss the owner. Do you think the owner has a desire to win in Houston? I'm saying there's different ways to do this, but at a certain point, all organizations are going to press the reset button. That's not true. I think it is. I just gave Unless you four you're the examples. Dodgers. Uh, okay, but the Cardinals have had two stinkers recently, and then it, it, recently. it's your definition of winning. It's like, how far do you think you're going to go? Because a lot of things, the fan base thinks that they're going to compete for World Series every year. You can compete for the division. You can get complete for a playoff spot. You can have a winning record, but that doesn't mean you're going to have the same level of winning and, and, and the same level of achievements. And so at a certain point, the reset button will have to be hit. Disagree on that, but let's discuss ownership and let's discuss market. Do you think the Astros have an owner who is dedicated to winning? I do. Do you think that the Houston market is capable of sustaining a top seven payroll in Major League Baseball year in, year out? Yes. That's a recipe for continuing to win if you can develop young players. Right, but they haven't developed those young players. The Astros haven't? Not recently because their farm system's depleted and they're they're trading away guys. Those are trades. I get it. Hunter Brown. Okay, Jeremy. Great. 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line 713-780-3776. The 48th annual Houston Fishing Show is coming to the George R. Brown Convention Center from February 14th through Saturday the 18th. It's everything for the fishermen. All the new rods, reels, and lures. And there will also be continuous clinics by expert fishermen covering salt and freshwater fishing. If you love to fish or just want to learn about fishing, don't miss the 48th annual fishing show. Check out HoustonFishing.com. Caller number five wins a pair of tickets, 713-780-3776. Caller number five going to the 48th annual Houston Fishing Show. I got to make that Dana Brown point. Dana Brown, I think, is critical in this Altuve extension, too. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the J-Team. Hit number four for Jose Altuve, and he hits for the cycle. On ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Great work, uh, AC. We are the J-Team today. It is Jose Altuve Day, uh, so we're not going to be called the Killer Bees on Jose Altuve Day. It's disrespectful to Jose Altuve. Jasper, Jasper says, hey, guy, it's Jose Day. Let's not argue. LOL. That'd be boring. <laughs> That'd be super boring. 713-780-ESPN. He's uh, Joel. I am Jeremy. Not Blanken Branham. Um, this fella says, does Tampa really compete for a World Series year after year after year after year? Uh, sure, every couple years, but year after year. Um, they've, they've competed for two World Series in, since 2008, and they've done it with one of the smallest payrolls in all of baseball, and they've been in the postseason for five straight years. Baseball playoffs are a crapshoot. You get hot, win a World Series. Um, I how many teams in Major League Baseball have been to two World Series since two thousand eight? Like I think that that list is pretty short. Um, pretty short. Have the Cubs done it, Joe? Been to two World Series? No, they haven't done it. 
Uh, Milwaukee, have the Brewers done it? Oh, God, no. Like every mid-market team in all of baseball? And the Rays are like bottom three, bottom five payroll every single year, yet they've been to the World Series twice since 2008. Uh, I think the Cardinals are the best example to the Astros because you're right. Like the Yankees have a payroll that the Astros shouldn't be competing with, although they kind of are. The Dodgers are going to pay Shohei Otani and get all this deferred money. Like they're in a class by themselves, it seems like, uh, this offseason. I think the Cardinals are the best model that the Astros can have. And if you go like since 2000, where they've had two losing seasons since 2000, they've been in the playoffs almost every single year since 2000. And look at the way that they've turned over their teams. They went from the Edmonds to the Pujols to the Contreras. They spent a little bit money along the way with like the Arenados. And yeah, they had a bad year last year. Let's see how they bounce back. Uh, I think that St. Louis is the best comp for like a sustained winning organization that the Astros can kind of model from. And it's kind of ironic that they hired Jeff Luno from the Cardinals. Yeah, no, look, I mean, everybody's different. The ownership drives the, drives the train, right? And a lot of owners aren't going to be willing to kind of do the kind of things. No one can be the Yankees. I mean, they're taking on contracts like Stanton. They're taking on these big, massive contracts, still going out and signing the Garrett Coles and, and just completely just, you know, spending at will. And the Dodgers do the same thing. And, and I don't, that's not what Jim Crane's going to do, and, I, and it's not feasible for a team here in Houston. But I don't question Jim Crane's want to to win and and it's tough because at a certain point like my experiences are that there there was there was building through the draft over and over again and trying to stockpile draft picks and 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 it's different in basketball you're right but at a, at a certain point you turn a corner and the winning starts to become more consistent but then it is is that winning enough like you have to chase the chip and in order to chase the chip then you completely shift gears and go I'm done with anything to develop youth and I'm done with developing young talent I'm going to go for it, and that means that I'm probably going to have to face the fact that we hope we have a good long run, but at a certain point, we're going to have to shift gears again and realize we're probably going to lose or at least come back down a couple notches before we can get back up there again because we aren't going to have young talent we're building. I think Crane has showed you that adjustment, though. Like, he said yesterday, well, I mean, while I'm here, the window will never close, like, that's great to see. It's great to hear, but it shows you an owner that is willing to want, has desire to win always. And he also said we'll have a payroll over the competitive balance tack this year. Uh, people said we would never do it. I never said we would never do it. I said we'd do it at the right time when we think the circumstances warranted that. We've got the revenues to do it. Your owner is telling you that he's not going anywhere. Okay, that that's fine. But because your farm system is less than your farm system is depleted, and it ain't getting any substantially better anytime soon. Yeah, I disagree with that. Like, I think that it just did. Like, it's your first first-rounder in a little while. You hired Dana Brown with the intention that he's a really good drafter. So, like, I think that they've actually turned some attention to being able to but develop you, within their own again. You traded two of your top prospects yep. to get Verlander back, and you had penalties and otherwise where your system was completely depleted and one draft isn't going to turn that around. So now, and you're not going to be drafting very high, obviously, with what they did a year ago again. So it is going to be extremely challenging. And at a certain point, that could deter you as well as you're going to pay, but you're not going to overpay. So then at a certain point, how do you... If you're going to have to dabble in free agency to replace these guys, then how much are you willing to spend, and, and how good are you going to be if you don't get the same kind of player? Third that, and payroll. Third and payroll. That's where, like, I, I think, like, the Cardinals is the right model to look at because while, like, there's moments when they don't have a prospect to fill a gap, mm-hmm. they will go into free agency and address that player 
in free agency, but they don't go the Yankees and Dodgers route. They don't give out a 10-year deal Every to year. fix a two-year problem. They find a two-, three-year player to come in until they can find their next Jeremy Pena guy that fills that gap for them. And that's what the Astros need to do. Like, when they, when, if Bregman walks, they need to find a third baseman to either wait until Bryce Matthews or another prospect is ready, or in three years you just bring in the next guy. Like, you just keep finding – you don't go over the top – expenses, but you just find a way to keep good players constantly on your team, that to me is a very fair ask of an organization. Harley on the YouTube, ESPN Houston uh, on YouTube, uh, when the farm's dry, you have to spin to get. I think that's what you just described, Joe, uh, Stephen, George. Uh, I think you just described that. Like, and the Cardinals do that too. Like, Arenado's probably the biggest one that they gave. They gave him an eight-year deal other than when they play their, they pay their own because they've paid but their own But they're not even times. paying for that whole contract, remember. I was going to say, because that like, was a trade, right? Same. Yeah, the Rockies are still paying part of that contract. Oh, that contract. was the Rockies' original contract? Yeah. So I'd like, forgotten mm-hmm. about that. It so it's not even like they're paying him like the Yankees. So you got him so, on a discount. Yeah, Goldschmidt's really their big ticket deal. That's a that's a great trade for Arenado and getting that on a discount. But yeah. what did they get? I don't remember what they gave up. What kind of what how big the package was cuz they were willing to take on um, uh, I, I think a good portion of the salary. Yeah, I but, think it was a bunch of guys that like most of these trades never pan like out. Like a Verlander double deal. Yeah. Harley says when the farm's dry you have to spend to get. Is that what Crane's doing right now? Like I think so. You don't have that minor league arm, you get hater. Uh last year you don't have a minor league first baseman ready to take over. You sign a Bray you like three years seems like a lot for a Bray, but three years for a free agents pretty short term deal. So it's kind of the bridge. Uh re signing Montero. You don't quite have somebody ready to take over for that spot. You sign Montero to three years. And what's weird about this too is like those deals are pretty short term, but we're critical of the yearly salary. But nothing with those yearly salaries has impacted what Jim Crane's willing to do. Like Jim Crane, even with the high salary of Abreu, the high salary of Montero, what did he do this offseason? He went out and signed the best reliever on the market. Yeah, I think that this is the beginning of the process to see how they're going to replace because they're going to have more and more guys they have to replace. So you have to be creative. I think to Joe's point, it's, it's about the creativity that goes with it because – you can't. I just don't believe that the farm system is going to reinvent itself overnight, and it's going to be rejuvenated. Yeah, you've got you've got a few pieces, and you hope they pan out. But at the same time, you've got to be creative, and 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 I don't know how long the creativity will last in keeping them at this highest of levels that they're at. And I don't think fan, the fans should be disappointed if there is a time when they have to step back a yeah, little bit. I do think, like to Joel's point, like this is the most challenging window to do this because while you've had the lack of draft picks, you have Bregman. Tucker, Fromber, all coming up. You have aging guys, you know, like Abreu. Like, you have a lot of gaps to fill mm-hmm. a, a lot more quickly than you would like. You like, do have a pretty good young foundation, though. You no, have, you do. You have Yiner. Sure. You have Pena. I'm not going to – I mean, Altuve's here for the foreseeable future, but he's not young. Depending on what you think of Chaz McCormick, Tucker's about to leave. And then on the pitching staff, you have, you know, Hunter Brown. What does he materialize into? Javier's locked up for a good amount of time, although Javier didn't pitch well in the second half of last season. Uh, and then Bray and Bray. Like, he's not going anywhere either. Uh, Tyler and Conroe, the Astros are trying to avoid taking a step back by spending in free agency to bridge the gap until prospects are ready. Uh, someone asking, what would you feel if the Astros did what the Rays do and trade these guys before they become free agents when they're contenders? I would applaud it. I think we've all said that we were like I would pro trade it. Bregman at one point this offseason. Yeah. Yep. I would applaud yep. it. Like trade Correa before that final year. It sounds awkward. It sounds difficult for a contender to do, but do it and then sign the best free agent you can for a year to two years. Um, I think the the Braves kind of did that with uh, their shortstop. What is it, Arcia? Like they thought that Grissom was going to be that guy, but they signed Arcia, and Arcia was an all star. 
this past year. And he was supposed to bridge the gap, and he was so good they ended up trading Grissom to, to Boston for, for Chris Sale. Plus, they let what's-his-name go to the Cubs because they didn't want to pay him. Yeah, Dansby. Yeah, Dansby Swanson. Yeah, Dansby. Yep. I think the Braves are the best organization in baseball right now. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Time for our car wreck of the day. What are you nominating for our car wreck of the day? It's next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, the big game coming up this weekend. Are you entertaining some people, having them over to the house? You're going to watch the game together? Well, you can't just have them sit there and just hang out and watch the game. you got to put some food on the table. you got to get some appetizers and some other things. If you want everything to taste great, and even better, go get some Daisy Dips. It's really painless. All you got to do is go to the grocery store, go to the dairy aisle, get a couple of tubs of the dips. You get the French onion, you get the ranch. You put them out there with whatever you're serving, and it's going to make everything better. From just the standard bags of chips to the veggie dips to if you're going a little bit more all out, you're serving some wings, you're serving some pizza. Hey, there's ranch there. There's French onion dip. It makes everything taste better. No matter how good or bad the game is going to be, you're going to be a winner if you serve those Daisy Dips. Go to your grocery store. No pain, no making of the dip. Just go there grab some and serve them up on the big game day and you're going to be happy you did you all right my leg is broken the bolts coming through you brick where's my fucking money this is the car wreck of the day brought to you by carwrecktexas.com He's Joel. I'm Jeremy. Joe behind the glass. This is the final segment of the J team for 365 days. Uh, not until next Jose Altuve. It's 366. Day. Right, but I think it would be the 365 days that to surpass for us to again reach February 7, 2025. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Not sure. Yeah, that math is always tricky to me. Uh, anyways, uh, it is the J team today because Jose Altuve day. We don't want to disrespect Jose Altuve by calling ourselves the Killer Bees. I said that Jose Altuve is in a tier by himself. Somebody called me a bad word on Twitter just now. For that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Way to be a bad word. Uh, way to be a bad word, cool guy. Because <laughs> I said that Altuve is better than Bagwell and Biggio. Man, some people are just, uh, they care about their sports a lot. All right, what are we nominating for the car wreck of the day? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. You guys got, I, I, you guys might have some. I, I can't think of any right now. Ocho, uh, That's everybody. That's funny. I, I just can't. I, some days I have them, some days I don't. You just do them every day. I know. Uh, I normally have them. Ocho, um, he says that everybody that says that the Akeem Olajuwon's not the greatest center of all time, period. Ocho's been tweeting, he's been texting us like every three minutes. All these uh, Akeem Olajuwon points on why he's the greatest center of all time. So Ocho's nominating anybody who thinks think that the fair. greatest center of all time is not Akeem Olajuwon. I mean, it's your it's your metrics too. Like, how are you judging it? I mean, you look at Shaq has multiple. I mean, how many rings does Shaq have? A lot. Yeah, and I mean, if that's 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 one of your metrics, because a lot of people think Robert Ori should be in the Hall of Fame because he has a, a ton of rings. I nominate anyone who has that take. Oh, my God. Because that take sucks. And even Rudy. Rudy, in his Hall of Fame speech, said Robert Ory belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, how? Such a bad take. He averaged, like, what, seven, eight, nine points a game? I get he has a lot of rings. Great glue guy. I mean, Steve Kerr gets in? Good interview. But, like, come on. Yeah, that drives me nuts, too. Yeah, he didn't belong there. I'm going to nominate Ron Darling. I don't know where he said this. But Ron Darling, whenever he was making a, a take, an assessment... On the Astros signing Jose Altuve, 
He said that uh, Jose Altuve has totally changed his approach and his swing, and he's become pool happy ever since he moved to Minute Maid Park. <laughs> it's the only park he's ever played in, right? Yeah, but Ron Darling said that uh, Altuve has changed his swing ever since he moved into Minute Maid. He's a piece of work if you listen to any of his games on the air. Like, he just doesn't care anymore. He just throws stuff on the wall almost every night doing Mets games. <laughs> And doesn't even, like, he doesn't fact check, doesn't he? he just throws it out there. Man. That's pretty bad. That is rough. What do you got, Joe? I got to nominate the producer from WFAN who booked the wrong Randy Moss. I know it happened, like, the other day. We just finally got to it today. It's terrible. You can't do it. Can't do that. It's a pretty good one, too. Yeah. It's an easy mistake to make. What's the worst you've ever done in booking somebody, Joe? Can you remember this anything? like, this isn't fair. No, I'm just asking a question. I'm not I, saying. I feel like I'm going to have to. What? I texted a dead guy. I didn't know he was dead. And his wife texted me back saying he passed away like two years before. That's rough. Who was it? (laughs) You should see the reaction behind uh, you right now. (laughs) Some random like beat reporter. I just didn't know who he was. Man, you're really respecting him after life. I was just told to get a guest. Like when I worked on the network, I used to have to get three, four guests a day. So I was just always texting people. I was just like going through the list of like Lakers or Clippers or something reporters. I just texted someone. It happens. Yeah, I mean, it happens like tough. responding to a tweet with a smart-ass guy that likes to bring up old football players, and I happen to suggest one that also had passed away. Yeah, it's not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. I'm going to nominate Dre for losing every argument he's ever had with me. Congratulations, Dr. Dre. You've been nominated. We'll see if it wins, though. Might the chat? Not, I might not have the votes. Yeah, I think you told him to get there. I, I have not told him anything. Oh, he just got there. I, I, I didn't see him all day in the chat. I love Dre. Dre and I, Dre and I went to a baseball game once. He ate two hot dogs in front of me, which I thought was really weird for a first date. <laughs> uh, I, I ate a hot dog, too. I think I bought him a I'm going to nominate uh, Michael Lombardi. Uh, he ditched just last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's he was right. That's a great call. Today. You mentioned this pre, pre-show, yeah. I love you, Paul, but, like, step down. I think Paul deserves to take the L on that, on that car yeah, wreck, Paul, having that guy on. Well, Paul doesn't necessarily know the, the history with us, but that's pretty bad. Michael Lombardi blows us off and then... Does Paul's show. Joseph G is nominating me for not letting Blank get a single word in about baseball. I was just challenging him on his points that he brought up. That's all that I was doing. It's fine. That's all that I was doing. Um, Any other nominees? Nope. I think that's all I got. Someone wants to nominate. Could we nominate the Rockets defense last night in the third quarter? Of course we can. That's a good one. Yeah, that was awful. Oso wants to nominate Big 12 basketball rest, but I can't do that. I will nominate them. I can't I will too. I will the athletic director at Baylor. He, he got did it last 25K. week. Yeah, I watched that, and I would nominate them as well. And I loved every bit of what Kelvin Sampson did, and I think they had it coming to him. Yeah, I loved the ejection. That was awesome. It was great. First I was one, a little worried there so for, at first, though, when I, I knew that there was four free throws in the ball. You're and, up, I'm, you're and I'm like, please don't let this be the turning point where with no Kelvin on the sidelines, it gets interesting. It worked the other way. I mean, they built it up it to did. 30. It yeah. fired up the crowd. That was the loudest that it got there last night. It was in a very loud arena. But yeah, the back of his players. Yeah, I love what, what Kelvin said after the game. Like, there, reporters were trying to bait him on oh, he's like, getting the official. How much are you paying him? I fine if I sound off on the official. Yeah. Great response. I'm not paying a thing. I wouldn't pay a thing. All right, what's winning our car wreck of the day here? Mm. Dude, that's a tough one. There's some good ones today. You know what? I, just because it was so poor, I'm, I kind of want to lean the, the Rockets' defense. Oh. I like the. We're gonna have so many nights. To be able to choose the Rockets, so defense. I'm not. So I'm choosing Michael Lombardi. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go with the producer on a national show that didn't yeah. do the, enough homework. Fair. I'm yes, on. I'm, I'm on Blanker's side of this. I'm going with the producer. Do we know the producer's name? Uh, no. It doesn't matter. He what the, the character. Producer's he's like, name he's is. part of the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomer and Geo was the uh, the show. The producer on Boomer Geo. We don't need to know his name if you don't know who the right Randy Moss is. All right, that does it for us. I'm out tomorrow. Barry Laminak in for me. Everybody rejoice. Uh, the usual suspects tomorrow broadcasting live from the decoy and spring branch. Swing on by, say hello, make sure you're listening in. Uh, thanks to Joe for doing all the hard work. He's Joel. I'm Jeremy. And goodbye one final time. From the J-Team. We're back to being the Killer Bees tomorrow. Uh, Joe George of the bullpen coming up next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.